Welcome to Let's Talk Learning Disabilities with Lori Peterson and Abby Weinstein. Lori and Abby spend their days talking about dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, and ADHD. They talk to parents of struggling students and adults who have had a lifetime of academic challenges. They want to share those stories along with their own insights with you. So, let's talk learning disabilities. Welcome to episode number 40 of Let's Talk Learning Disabilities. This is Lori. And this is Abby. And today we are super excited. Abby, tell us who's here. We have a very special guest with us today. We've got Leslie Josell, who is coming to us today to talk a little bit about procrastination. She is a woman of, of many she wears many hats and does many things, um, especially within the ADHD community. However, she does have some really good information to share with us today about procrastination, which I believe impacts not only individuals living with ADHD, but a lot of neurotypical individuals struggle with procrastination. And it's a big, big thing that parents, we hear parents struggling to deal with it with their children. So welcome, Leslie. I'm so happy to be here and and find you all. Like, I feel like we became BFFs, like, immediately. (laughs) Absolutely. Welcome. We're happy to have you, and we're happy to be your BFF as well. I love it. We should should probably preface this by, I should probably tell you that my go-to saying is, why do today what I can do tomorrow? So this is going to be incredibly... um, going to hit home, really hit home. So I'm really, I'm like, if everyone else learned something great, but I'm pretty sure I'm the one who's going to benefit the most from this. That's, that's a big saying. (laughs) That's why the book was called how to do it now, not how to do it now. I actually was telling my mother this morning about who we were interviewing in our topic for our podcast that we were recording. And I told her it was about procrastination. And my mother, who has known me all too well for 47 years, said, now you better be listening with both ears. (laughs) (laughs) So both Lori and I are excited to benefit. We know our listeners are going to benefit as well. Okay. Yes. We have a lot to cover, a lot to chat about. Yeah. So start out, Leslie, if you would, just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be doing the things that you are doing. Sure. So I'll give you the Reader's Digest version because I've been I've been around for a very long time. I've actually been in business for 17 years. So I started my I know. Right. So That's awesome. um, I, I, it's it's actually I think now it's 18, actually. So I started my business wow. um, when my son, who is now 24, was five and Right off the bat, I do want your listeners to know that anything I say about my son, he gives me permission. And I think right off the bat, that's an important point to show them respect and privacy and treat them that way. So he does allow me to tell the story. When he was five, he was diagnosed with ADHD, executive dysfunction, and a, a few learning, you know, learning challenges. So but you have to remember back then there were no amazing podcasts like you guys and what you do. There were no telesummits and conferences or things like that. So I really had to figure out ways to untangle his world, both at home and at school. Um, and back then I probably did things that were revolutionary back then. You would not think of them as revolutionary now, but I remember for him, like what he didn't see didn't exist. So taking doors off closets, taking dressers out of rooms and putting clear bins and coating everything blue that belonged to him because blue soothed him, like just different things. And to make a very long story short, 
friends saw what I did and friends of friends. And all of a sudden now I worked a regular full-time job and my phone started ringing. Hey, I saw what you did, or I heard what you did. Can you come to my house to do this? And I turned to my husband and I think it's important to say that he has ADHD because I'm very linear thinker, right? If I don't have all the details and he, and I said, but, but I don't do this for a living. And he said, well, you do now. <laughs> I am not kidding. And I was like, well, what do I call myself? And he's like, order out of chaos. And well, like, I mean, it was so crazy because I did not set out to start a business. I did not start out to even understand that there was a need for this. And within a month, I quit my full-time job. And within six months, I had a team. I kid you not. And what I specialized in was creating systems and structures um, and peace and sanity for families with ADHD. Now, fast forward um, 17 or 18 years later, we are now a 100% virtual business. We are global. We have about 75,000 parents, teachers, related professionals who come to us for products, programs, workshops, webinars, and coaching. Wow. All for the mission to help parents help their students, those that are neurodiverse, but we also get mainstream as well um, to help them be successful in learning and in life. That's how we say it. Wow. Um, Yeah. And I, we create products. um, I write books. I, and some of your listeners might know Attitude Magazine, which is the premier magazine for those with ADHD. I write the weekly Dear ADHD Family Coach column. Awesome. Um, I always say I'm like the dear Abby. I bring A's to your Q's <laughs> um, on a variety of topics. So, and a host of other things. So we do a lot um, over, wow. over at OOC. You're busy. You are busy. Yeah, I love your really story, busy. how it started. Um, yeah, it's amazing. And listen, we are, I feel very blessed that, um, you know, if I turn around and look back at 18 years of what we've developed and what we do, um, I always say that I think the reason why we are sustainable and why we've grown is that we are a very community oriented company. We don't do anything without asking the people that are part of our family um, what they want. Like, I know that's not why you came to to hear about, but that's really what we base our business on. It's not about me. Like, I'm not going to create a webinar if no one's going to show up. I'm not going to create a product if nobody wants it. So that, for me, was a very big reason, um, I believe, for the sustainability is we always say we bring our community along for the ride with us. Like, what book do you want me to write? Seriously, Mm -hmm. like, what planner color do you want? Like, what... What webinar is the next webinar you want? And um, one, it definitely mitigates risk, (laughs) but it also really um, allows you to kind of like really be in, you know, really helps to understand what it is people are, what their pain is. And so Mm -hmm. nice segue is procrastination is probably the number two question or pain we hear from parents. What's number one? What? What's number one? Study. Which which they procrastinate their homework. So, yeah. Right. And understanding how to study is probably the number one thing we get. My kid does not know how to study. And I, I, we do a study skills webinar twice a year and I, twice a year, and I could probably give it every month, every single month. So, but procrastination would probably be my second 
would be the second thing that we hear a lot from parents is my kid procrastinates. So that, so that understanding and that nuance was really important. And it's so universal. And it does, and not just with kids that are that are neurodiverse. It is, it is across all kids. So when you have someone come to you and say, okay, my number one problem is procrastination or my child or whatever, what is, how do, where do you start? Like, what's the very first thing you want to tackle with them or what's your process? What's your definition of procrastination? That is the first question we ask a parent. Okay. When you say to us, my kid procrastinates and, and I am, I love parents. I'm going to be, I'm like a New Yorker. I am never rude, but I'm feisty. I just have to tell that, tell your listeners that. My question is back to the parent, what's your definition? And the, and the answer we normally get is, well, he, he or she, and let's just say she for lack of a, for he, she, they's, it's just easier for me to, they'll, they'll say, well, she puts things off. Like how? And I'm like, okay, how is that procrastination? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is, and it's not to trip them up, but it's to get to change that mindset. So the first thing we start with is the true definition of procrastination. And what most people say procrastination is, is delaying doing something. But that isn't the full definition. The full definition of procrastination is delaying doing something, knowing there's a consequence on the other side. And that's the key. Mm -hmm. That's really the key. So for an adult, I'm like, let's say you decided on Saturday you were going to clean up your garage. It was time. It's overflowing. I know. I know. I picked the worst thing in the world. But there's a point why I picked the worst thing in the world. So here it is. You've got the bags. You bought. You got the bins. You even have a dumpster. You're ready to go. And Saturday morning you wake up and it's like gorgeous day. And you're like, you know what? I just don't feel like doing this today. I don't want to waste my day. I'd rather do something else. And you go off and do something else. Are you procrastinating necessarily? No, you're not. You're delaying something you wanted to do, but maybe there's no, but there's no consequence on the other end, unless you're selling your house and you have to get it. Mm. So when a parent comes to me and says, my, my, my student should have started his work or he should have done that paper, started it a week ago. And I don't understand why he's not, he's procrastinating. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah. And my favorite story, and this doesn't happen often, is one time I had a parent and a child on at the same time on a Zoom call. And the and this student was a 16-year-old like sophomore. And we had a meeting and it was Friday before a long weekend. And the mom, and I'm I'm not picking on moms or dads, it just happens to have been a mom. I'm just saying, happens to be a mom. She's like, I don't understand. I don't understand. He should be starting it today. There's nothing going on. He's sitting around. He's doing. And he very quietly turned to his mother and the and the the work was due like Monday night at 11:59. And he turned to her very quietly and said, you can yell at me Tuesday at midnight and not a minute before. Good for him. Yeah. But that's it. Now, I know that's a very vanilla-esque, uh-uh. but, right. it, but it, it's powerful if you it think is. about it. That's how he was thinking about it. And it's so important that you guys, before you start working together, you have that working definition outlined exactly what you mean with when you talk about procrastination, making sure you're on the same page with what exactly it is. A hundred percent. We're always about, you asked me, what's the first course of action? And the first course of action is always mindset. It's always mindset. And it doesn't mean like we're disparaging the parent. It's just, it's just getting you to view things differently. And then the second thing is we usually will explain to them what we feel is 
after obviously lengthy conversation, what's going on behind behind the scenes? Um, because I, in in my view, and I'm and here's what I also want your listeners to know: um, some of the stuff I always say is research proven, and some of it is anecdotal, meaning it's, it's institutional history. It's being in the field for 17 years; you gather a lot of institutional history. And and I'm not even here to sell you sell sell a book, but one of the things we did when I was writing that book on on procrastination, and the book is geared to students, it's called How to Do It Now Because It's Not Going Away. I didn't want it to. My son actually titled the book. I want I you love to that. Great, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't want it to be solely my voice. I really wanted to bring my students' stories to life and really allow parents to hear what their kids were saying, what kids were saying. We went back and interviewed as many students that I had worked with over the course of the years as we could. And we asked them some very powerful questions and we asked them some fun questions like, you know, like what's the best grade you got for something you never worked on, right? Or how long did you procrastinate? You know, fun, but things that parents needed to hear. And the two themes that came out of the book about procrastination, the meaning the real behind the scenes, like why were skill, like the lack of skill. That, that, that a student was really able to say, now I should tell you that the age range was about like 15 and up. So we're not talking about eight-year-olds here. Right. They were like the lack of skill, really not knowing how to do something. Like I don't know how to study. No one's ever taught me, not disparaging teachers, but there is definitely a lack mm-hmm. of knowing how to do some of these things. And the second one was choice and control. Hmm. I saw the choice and control way more with those that were neurodiverse, that they are suddenly your shed. You can't all see it, but we're, we're doing a lot of head bobs here. Mm-hmm. And I hope people listening are doing the same, that those that are neurodiverse, it was more with them, said they could not handle being told always how to do something, when to do it, because it clearly did not work for them with all of this kind of stru- like parameters in place. And that when they were given the freedom to do things their own way in their own time, they procrastinated less. Would you put the, so when I talk to a lot of parents, my experience with procrastination has always been because I get so overwhelmed. I don't know where to start, how to start. So I'm just going to put that off and do it later and I'll think of it. And then before I know it, it's due tomorrow. And so that overwhelm feeling is really part of the skill issue, correct? Yes. It's, we call, so I, so I'm, and I apologize, but we have our isms at order and mm-hmm. chaos, like what we say. So we call, we, we call it overwhelmed by the overload, right? The, the, the brain is, we call it our TOO child or student too much, too big, too hard, too vague. Right. And it really plays into that executive functioning of decision-making that decision fatigue. And what we find is when we talk about EF, and I know this isn't about EF skills, but I feel like it all mushes. It's all one big mush, oh, sure. right? Isn't that professional? Mushy mush? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Makes I sense. talk to kids all day long. So mushy mush is about right. Right. We talk about like time or we talk about working memory or we even talk about impulsivity or organizing. We don't really talk very much about effort. And I always say effort is where lazy, the perception of a lazy lips, mm-hmm. right? It's that decision-making, it's that effort level, it's too many decisions, it's it's what do I do, how do I do it, when do I do it, and slowly and slowly the brain just goes, I know I have to be clean, 
but mm-hmm. bleep it, I'm not, right? Because <laughs> it's way easier. So yes, to your point, exactly. That's that's the line, that's the linear miss of of overwhelm. Is that awesome. that just my brain is just done? Like put a fort mm-hmm. in me. Too many. I'm over it. I'm over it. And that's a big mindset for parents. So that's that whole perception of laziness, right? And I say perception because it's when like, because that's what it is when a kid comes and says, my parents think I'm lazy or my teachers think I'm lazy. Our joke is, well, it's not really a joke, but you go back and tell them you just have a hard time sustaining effort. Mm-hmm. Sustaining effort. It's that's true. Right. It is so true. So yes, I'm on your page. That overwhelm is, is, and we're seeing more. Paralyzing. Mm-hmm. I would say we used to call it like the stepsister, like Cinderella, like, you know, it was always in the back, you know, cleaning the chimney, like, like, like in Cinderella and the other executive functions were on the forefront. And I would say, I would even go out on a limb and say that since the pandemic, mm-hmm. it has really changed course. And all we're talking about right now is overwhelm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. We hear a lot of that too from parents and clients about just being overwhelmed with so much and not knowing where to begin, how to begin, how to prioritize, how to, how prioritize. to prioritize, how to break it down to make everything very like manageable, know, manageable and task oriented. It's all right. It's all make it manageable. And we equate it to, and I think this is a really important visual for, for, for parents, is we equate it to like lifting weights. Like the brain is a muscle. Like every other muscle in the body, the brain is a muscle. So think of a little brain dude, right? And he's got his dumbbells and his arms, and he's very, I can lift a two-pound weight without thinking about it, right? Like, all right, I can do my math homework. And this is not about academics. I just want to be clear. I, I can do my math because... Oh, okay. Go to page 52 and do problems one through five. It's very task specific. There's nothing to figure out. That's a two pound weight. I know no one can see me. But that's a two pound weight. Okay. Now let's like, let's now let's move on to history or social studies. And it's like study for your Mesopotamia test. Okay. Well, what does that mean? That is like a, that's like a 10 pound weight. And if you have a child who has like, like learning issues or has executive dysfunction, like that is just, that's a 10 pound weight and their brain is just not capable of being able to lift that. There's just too many decisions. So that's my great visual for kids. I think it's a great visual of mm-hmm. the weight. And it's also one we use for parents. It makes sense. And it, it is, no, it, it definitely helps it make sense. So once you determine that a child is, or, or a student is truly procrastinating, like they are absolutely, they fit the bill, Well, now what? So it depends on what's getting in the way. And I think that's another important thing. I always, this is again, anecdotally, um, procrastination doesn't live on its own. There's usually, it's masking something, right? Is it masking time management? Are you like, so sometimes if a parent says, well, my, you know, my child procrastinates and we dig deeper, sometimes we find that maybe your child really isn't procrastinating, well, yes, they're maybe procrastinating, but it's a really a time, it's a time issue. They're time blind, they have no time awareness, there's no future awareness going on. So our our work there is not so much to teach the student not to procrastinate, it's how to teach them to be more time, to be time aware, mm. or they have no planning, or they don't know how to study. That, I, I have to tell you, they really don't know how to study. I will say that are probably our number one um, thing that was professional, sorry, <laughs> is, 
is teaching kids. And here's an interesting thing for, for how we, how we approach studying. We feel the pain when it comes to homework, because there's very little choice. I want to keep using those words, choice and control. There's very little choice and control when it comes to homework, meaning the teacher assigns homework and that's the way you do it. And I know, and I feel terrible, but that's what it is. And there's things we do around it, obviously, and that's for another podcast, but we'll talk to you about what we do for homework. But with studying, you have choice and control, and that's an aha moment for the student. Yes, maybe you were assigned a study guide that the teacher gave you and you're required to do it, but that's about it. Otherwise, you are completely in control of the methods that you use to, to to study for your test. So here's what we do. This is our little thing. I keep using the word thing. I'm sorry, but you got to remember we is we we have a we have a a saying that when we teach studying, we want to make it as tangible, task specific, and as concrete as possible. So it's a it's a see it, say it, hear it, do it. That's how we we literally take a giant sticky. Giants, remember everything we do is virtual. Mm-hmm. Giant sticky, and we make four boxes, and it's a see, say, hear, do. And we say to the student, we've got to now pick a, a hear, a see, a say, and a do. And right off the bat, they can handle that. Because right off the bat, what we've done is we've gone like this and we've made it, we've put parameters. And now right. they within that can pick whatever it is they want. You want to go study with your best friends because we all know that's the best way to study, teach one another. Mm-hmm. Great. That's a say it. You want to watch YouTube videos. I don't know if anyone knows this, but in the last two years, YouTube is the number one medium that kids have learned subjects on. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a YouTube. I want to attend. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to go through it, but you understand mm-hmm. what right. But right then and there, we're able to drill it down. And then within that, we make it very specific about what it is you have to do. So we take that, go study for your Mesopotamia test. And it's, you know, what are the seven gods? What is the cultural significance of each? What is the, I'm sorry, I really know my Mesopotamia. Yeah, you do. I'm way impressed. <laughs> I love that. I don't know why. I just definitely did. do. And then, so we define it, define, define, define. And if there's anything that the student doesn't understand, then it's not defined enough. So we go from defining and then we, we call it define and assign. Mm-hmm. How do you, and I don't want to, I don't want to get off on the whole study skill study thing because we could, that is a whole nother thing. But I am curious, like when you have a student, what we run into a lot is kids can regurgitate information, but it doesn't mean they understand it. And so trying to figure out do you, are you regurgitating this and you're just giving it right back to me? But when it shows up on the test tomorrow, it's not worded the same way. So you're not going to understand it. So how we do it. I mean, it's hard for me not to answer you without talking to you about study methods. So, and I know this wasn't, we could do another whole podcast on which we probably will. So the two things that we do is we pull everything apart. What we find really happens. And I'm going to try to explain it in a way that everyone's going to go, Oh my God, she's in my head. It's mm-hmm. when we tend to learn things. We tend to we tend to go over things linearly or chronologically. So if we really understand, and I always say there's a difference between knowing and understanding, right? So if you really understand one and you really understand three, but you don't understand two, right? Let's say you're going, but what the brain says is, oh well, if I know one and I know three, then I'm somewhere in the universe. I must know two, and I'm just going to pretend I know two because it's going to work itself out. 
So we pull everything apart. So like study guides, we cut them up. We rotate them around. We we really pull information apart so that everything you are learning has to stand on its own. It doesn't have that crutch mm-hmm. so that so that I mean then there's ways we do it and I'm not going to go into that because that, yeah no thank you. So, and the other thing is that everything is set because I see it all the time. I might know it here. I'm sorry, I'm pointing to my head, but I don't know it here and I'm pointing to my lips. So it's all about, can you, can you answer my questions? And we have study, we've come up with study tools that really help our students dig in to the understanding versus just knowing. But I think, and I think too, you know, I know we're getting off on a little bit of a tangent, but again, back to the whole point of, I think having good study skills and being confident in knowing exactly what you're going to do alleviates some of that desire to procrastinate because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I have a plan. This isn't so overwhelming. It's so planned for them. And the other thing, and I do want to say this, because I think this is super interesting is we also tend to, and I think, and the reason why I'm, I am talking about studying, because it is by far the number one reason why kids procrastinate or writing is we tend to lump our, what we know and what we don't know together. And so mm-hmm. we tend to, so we tend to spend time on the things we know and give that the same amount of time to the things we don't. One of the first things we do is we pull that apart as well, which right off the bat then gives the student a much smaller amount of stuff to learn and to really know, which does help overcome that procrastination because mm-hmm. they're looking at everything all and giving everything equal importance and we're not. Right. And then that increases the overwhelm and the overload. So, and, and, and it sounds like not only does the strategies that you're teaching and helping them with studying help with less procrastination, because now I have a plan to a plan of attack, I bet it alleviates a lot of test anxiety also going into the testing session, which we see a lot of students with yeah. test anxiety. Yes, it does. And I want to say this too, it's not only school related. Mm-hmm. Procrastination isn't necessarily like, and yep. this is something we Our work training. on with with parents too, about the, I asked my child to do something and he doesn't do it. And so our, our joke is that we need to eliminate what we call the, oh, by the ways and don't forgets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I got you guys to laugh. And when we do that, they're like, oh my God, she's so in my head, but your child's walking out the room and you're going, oh, by the way, don't forget. And and so it's things like that as well. And then the other thing that we really focus on too, to, to try to build that non-procrastination muscle is um, I feel that we're all very good as parents. And again, I'm not disparaging parents. I'm one. And I totally have to check myself at the door um, is that we're very good at asking our students what they have to do. Mm-hmm. Right? They go, hey, what do you have to do? Um ah, I have a bio lab to finish. I have some math problems. Maybe I have some like Spanish vocab. No, it's better. Like, do you ever ask, like, do you understand what it is you have to do? And it's a really nuanced question, but it's a really important one because when you're asking a student what they have to do, it's a to-do list. But when mm-hmm. you ask that they understand, now you're really digging into the whole, like, oh, no, I don't know really if I understand, like, what I'm supposed to do writing my paper or how I'm supposed to finish that essay. So we work a lot on those because we hear that too from our students, that that is the understanding portion, which goes back to the decision-making portion, which is a massive, massive thing for them. Mm -hmm. 
And then that helps the parents too with, I think, if you ask the student if they understand what they have to do, then that kind of helps them understand that procrastination feature of determining kind of the why behind the procrastination. Is it that they don't have the skill? Right. Do you feel like, too, like your work with, you know, I know you work on organizational skills and planners and you have so many other different pieces, but don't you feel like all of that folds into the procrastination piece? Because if I'm organized and I know exactly what I need to do and I have a plan, a plan, I'm not going to, I mean, I'm just going to, you just start, go, you know, you make those routines, you start following through with it. You're less likely to like, er, I'm not doing any of this. Yes. And they, you know, it's, it's really, um, what we do a lot and we tend to work with older students. So like when we work with our college students, even, um, we are very much about not only helping them plan, like, okay, let's look at your schedule and like, what's your priority, but we try to make as much of the decision-making, take the decision-making out of the equation. So for example, if, if a student has, let's say a class Monday at 10 to 11, and then doesn't have another class till two, we actually, it's not just, oh, you should use that time in between to get work done. It goes even further. What is it exactly you're going to do at that time? Because what starts to happen, particularly in college, is we see repetitive like things like, okay, every Friday you have an, like a, you know, a one sheet due or every Sunday at 1159, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. There's, yep. there's a lot of, more than people real, more than when I went to college, there is a ton of consistency. And, and, and days. So it's so it really presents itself and allows us to say, great, Monday, Monday between X, X class and Y class is your calculus time. And that really helps because it really helps them because again, what we're trying to do is take is take all that decision making out. So the, we're kind of funny, like even before school starts, like we put certain things in place for the student. We have them, and it doesn't matter even if you're in college or high school. So we we have them pick five places, whether it's in their house or on campus, that they're going to study in because we believe in moving around. So that's that happens. We are big on making study playlists if music is something that really works for you. So that happens. We also do something. We have it on our site, and it's free. So I'm bringing it up. It's a... Um, it's really your homework profile. It's your personal homework profile. And it's 15 questions that taps into your best practices. So I can't help, I can't change the way your teacher assigns homework. But what I can do is tap into your, your best practices to figure out what is the best way for you to do it. So what's your energy level? Do you want night or morning? Do you want to be in a group? Do you want quiet? Do you want music? Do you want wide open spaces? Do you want, I mean, I'm going through it all, but we fill, the, I, we fill those out no matter if your child is eight or 18. And if we even have a kid in a college, we do it after, before every semester because things change. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself really does help with procrastination because we find when students get stuck, we go back and refer to that and say, hey, you did really well when you saved your reading for night. You know what I mean? But did your essay writing in the morning or you really did much better when you had, I mean, this sounds so silly, but have popcorn next to you because mm -hmm. whatever, like. And right. that really An instrumental music playing. We and are so key. I mean, we didn't really talk about it, but environment and this, this is both research proven as well as Leslie proven. <laughs> environment is so key to combating procrastination. You're because 
I say this, and this is for adults too. Relying on your internal motivation is just, you know, again, put a fork in you. So what is your environment communicating to you? How can you share that load, lighten that load and let something else or someone else share that motivation burden with you? And so tapping into our environment is something we spend so much time, not only working on with students and parents, but talking about it in our workshops and webinars. And I think too, you know, I like that kind of developing that that structure that we talk about that's so important. It's easy then if you do kind of quote unquote, fall off the wagon. It's easy to go back and figure out, okay, let's look and see what what triggered that, what happened in this plan that we've made and how do we make sure that doesn't happen again? So it's easy to find where things might go wrong. Mm-hmm. And I like that too. It just, everything is laid out so perfectly. Right. And we talk about rituals too. We talk about pre-work rituals a lot with our students and they really understand that because our students understand practicing. They understand that they they practice a sport or they practice a musical instrument or they practice for a theater or a dance or a play. But they also know that prior to playing in a game or getting on stage that there's warm up exercises. Right. So we equate a lot. We take that theory and that sense of like, okay, you understand that concept. You also understand that to practice something makes you get better at it, makes you feel more confident at it. Well, it's the same with calculus or AP bio or, but right. But even before we do anything, the same way we have to warm up our bodies, we have to warm up our brain. So how do you warm yourself up to get ready to receive the work you're about to do? So we talk a lot about setting ourselves up for ritual. So perhaps it's, you know, getting your, you know, getting coffee or call some of my, some of my college students say, I say, I take a walk. I call my mother. I I get a coffee. I come in, I sit down. Like I light my candle. I put my music on. All of that is, yes, it's, it's a ritual, but it's environmental, but putting those practices in place, we've seen it over the years has really helped that whole procrastination, that whole procrastination, not look, if you don't know how to do something, you don't know how to do something, but this is a completely different way Mm -hmm. to overcome that, that, that procrastination. So your team is made up of individuals that meet with students, parents. I mean, usually you're not meeting with all these people yourself, are you? No, no. I'm like, wow. Cause you're really busy then. We're really busy. So then we need to let you go then. (laughs) People are surprised to hear that I do still coach a very small group of students. I will never not number one, because I absolutely love kids. I do. I only coach college students because I just think they're the coolest people. On the <laughs> it keeps me young. Um, but it also, they're my laboratory, right? Like how do you write and speak and do all this if you're, if you're not in the trenches? So yes, we are, our, our company is made up of two. We have people who are working behind the scenes that obviously are not working with parents or students. They're running the company, the, the, you know, the product business, the customer service, all of that. And then I have coaches, yes, that work one-on-one with students, um, parents, and also we run boot camps for our younger students, our middle school students. Our boot camps are much more skill-driven, whereas coaching is a little more nuanced, as you know, a little more supportive, a little more team approach. Our boot camps are way more skill-driven. It's We were finding that that parents really wanted some, you know, okay, yeah, it's great to be coaching my kid, but no, they need like, teach, please. So we came up right. with camp way and that they're one-on-one they're not that we never do anything in a group because we just found that that didn't work right right so if someone wants help from your company 
Tell us the process of how that works. Oh, easy. We try to make everything easy. Um, you So we have we have few websites, but you would go to our website. You go to orderoochaos.com. And there's a page right there where you could just send it. You could call us, obviously, or you can send an email. Then you don't even have to know the email because it's right there. And we have a community manager and her name is Laura. And she is in charge of basically every coaching bootcamp client. She starts the process. She is your person. She is your go-to. She is the one you want. She's the one you want to just okay. with. And she'll walk you, handhold you you know, through everything. And so parents that need help helping their students, when I'm kind of thinking of maybe some of the younger students that are struggling with procrastination and getting started on tasks and studying, and they personally, maybe an eight or nine-year-old is not ready and equipped to work one-on-one with a coach, but the parent coaching piece can be very beneficial. So as far as the parent piece coaching, do you have specific ages that the parent coaching is for or any ages? Any age we coach. So I do some of the, I do some of the parent coaching and I have somebody else who does parent coaching in the same process. Laura is your person. She, but um, we coach, we always, we've, we've coached kids as parents with kids as young as like five who are newly diagnosed and don't know what to do. Um, And we've coached parents of kids that are even 25 and 30 who don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So you'd kind of cover all of the executive functioning type coaching, right? Like, you know, not just procrastination, but all of those. We call ourselves academic life coaches. I like that term. I mean, you know, this. people call themselves executive functioning coaches or ADHD coaches. I don't like ADHD because I find that very limiting. Mm -hmm. I really personally like academic life because as you get older, half, so a wise man one time told me, this is actually a college professor, my freshman year, First class said, I'm going to give you guys a little bit about school. He goes, it's 30% academics and 70% everything else. And it's the Mm -hmm. 70% that's going to make you successful. So we really like calling ourselves academic life because we do spend a lot of time, particularly with our older students, like, you know, upper high school and college on life, not so much on studying, but on time and willpower. Willpower is a big one massive Mm -hmm. one and relationships and and accountability and advocacy and all of those things. Do you do anything with like career, career coaching or choosing or making decisions? No, we try not to, as you well know, and I'm sure you do when a parent finds you and loves you, they want you to do everything. everything Um, I mean, will it like, We'll advise, like, I'm, I'm very big and very vocal about saying what I, what colleges I don't feel are right. If, if college is the path your child is taking, I want to make that clear. I don't believe in college for everybody, but if college is the path, but when it comes to career, we might give it, but no, we have people like, I have someone I know who's amazing and a career coach for kids that are neurodiverse. I will put you there. So the joke at Order Out of Chaos is if you have a 22 year old who's working full time, we and you want coaching, we will not take you on. But if you have a 30-year-old who went back to school, we will take you on. We are we are student-oriented. We are parent-oriented to help your child, but we are student-focused. That is our... Yeah, I was going to ask about, you know, adults that were struggling in the workplace, but that's not your niche, really. You refer them out. 
We have real, it's the same way people come to us all the time and say, can you make an adult planner? I'm mm-hmm. like, no. Now a lot of adults use our small planner, our, but we are products designed with students in mind. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we are very, listen, I, you stay in your lane. Stay in our lane. I, you know, I, I'm very good about always saying, um, I know where I begin and end. That's kind of my party line. I know where I begin and end, um, but no, I would be really bad at coaching a 50-year-old lawyer. <laughs> well, but I think too, you've built up the relationships with people that if you're not going to do it, you know who can, and you're going to send them to the right person. And that's kind of how we feel too. Right. Spend, Laura spends, like Laura and Stephanie spend half their time going, here's somebody you should, you know what I mean? But right. no, we right. are very much about staying in our lane, knowing what we do. And, and because it... When we stick, look, I always say, if you're talking to everyone, you're talking to nobody. And we're just very good about what we do. And I'm going to say it. We're, we're really, look, you don't stay in business for 18 years if you're not good at what you do. I, I have no problem saying that. I always say I'm, I am, I am narrow and deep. I am not long and wide. There's a million things we are, I'm awful at. But what I do, I do well. That's awesome. That is awesome. So we definitely would like to have you back, you know, for, I would love to do a study skills mm-hmm. because that is something we that see a ton of. And, and I think that could be a really great conversation. I love it because it's but fun. Talk it is fun. It and is. and isn't, it's needed. It's so needed. There's so many fun things that people don't, that don't. And a lot of people would not use fun to describe study, study skills. So right. that already says that we've got a lot to learn. Absolutely. So we will definitely share your website and all your information. We would like to put a link to your book all in the show notes. I do have a quick question. So your book that you wrote most recently called How to Do It Now, right? Yes. Um, what What would you say is like the reading level? I mean, oh. it's geared towards students, but like if I were readability, read, what's the readability level or grade level? So we we wrote so so I wrote. The, I'm gonna be very honest. We wrote the book geared to high school and college. What we're seeing though is, I would say, like 13 and up. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing is parents. So parents of all ages, because what now? Granted, so what you have to know about the book very quickly is there's the first chapters about procrastination and then there's nine chapters after that that support this so like one is on homework studying organizing prioritizing all of those things so obviously maybe the homework and study but what parents are saying is you could have written this as a as an adult procrastination book minus the study and homework Mm -hmm. chapters but readability for i mean it's a little saucy because you've got to remember that there is some you know i'm i'm talking about college students and high school students. So for example, we did something called classroom confessionals where we ask kids rapid fire questions and they're peppered throughout the book. So one of the questions is like, what's your favorite snack to eat while you study? And some kids say Ritalin. And we <laughs> left that in because yeah. we needed parents to see that this is really what is happening. Right. Sure. So maybe you don't want your 12 year old to read that, but your 15 year old can handle it. For sure. Okay. That helps. Yeah. That is helpful to well, know. Good. Yes. It's a little, it's a little, it's a like people said it's very respectful to that age group that it was so written good. for. It was like, right. well, people laugh and say I'm 18 and a 50 year old body. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. I say that. That's awesome. Too. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing such great information with us today, Leslie. We really appreciate it. I think we're going to give a lot of people hope. We're big on like there is help. Mm -hmm. There is hope. And I feel like just listening to you talk, like I feel like parents are going to think, okay, we can do this. Right. We can tackle. Oh, if I could do it, you guys can do it. It's really 
look, you know this, um, and this is this is another podcast, but it's it's a lot of it is the verbiage that you use when you're speaking to your child. It's all about the verbiage. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. But there is hope. Kids do learn, you know, some of them outgrow it, some of it learn skills, but it's it's really getting into that underbelly and understanding what's truly getting in their way. Mm-hmm. That makes well, perfect sense. Thank you so much. If you guys have any questions specifically for Leslie, we'll have all of our contact information in the show notes. You can always reach us at Let's Talk Learning Disabilities at gmail.com. Be looking out for our brand new website for our podcast. We're excited. It should be coming live like really any day now, I think. Any day now. So we'll have that out. And uh, thank Thank you. Thank you so much, you guys. Everyone, have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. In our show notes, you can find information about today's talk, as well as links to resources and other episodes. If you have questions about today's talk, have ideas for future episodes, or just want to stay connected, you can contact us through Diagnostic Learning Services on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So let's keep talking learning disabilities. This podcast is sponsored by eDiagnostic Learning. You can find more information at www.ediagnosticlearning.com.